Um, I would have been more than happy to just stay laid out over there this morning. I'm serious. Uh, we were in the throne room this morning, and that's where I like to stay. And um, but the, yet, our Father has things for us to do. Do you understand? He does. He wants. See, see, there's a principle here, church, that you've got to understand. Jesus spent 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. with the daddy every day. Is this new to you, or, or do you understand that? He really did. It's called the last watch. And then when Jesus went to the marketplace, see, he was God's man in those days. When he went to the marketplaces of life, he only did what the daddy said. Is that an amen or no? no? You see what I'm saying? So my point being this, he had fruitfulness. He had fruit that remained, see. So many today might bring hundreds and thousands of souls, but do they yet he have fruit that remains? Many times not. And it grieves the Father's heart because if we started doing it his way instead of the way that, I'm not going to go into the religious ways that have been taught us, but some of them, they stink in his eyes. Are you hearing me? They really, they're a stench to him. Jesus didn't like religion either. He liked relationship. And that's what I want to encourage you today. He's a relational God. You must have relationship. See? With him and with your family. Don't get it out of order. This is Mrs. Susan here. See, I'm, I, I have relationship with him first, then with her. This morning we had a sweet time in reading his word together. And then we go out to the marketplaces of life. And only then, church. Are you hearing me? Otherwise, you're out of order. Don't take it up with me. Take it up with heaven, you know. Because he's the one that orchestrated it. Roth, would you come up here, please? Yes. Okay. Now, Ralph and I have the same daddy but a different mother. Are you hearing me? We're joined at the hip, huh, bro? Amen. I want him to share momentarily how we met because we're relational. Are you hearing me? And then we were relational, and that's how we ended up here. We, it would have never happened if we weren't relational. Okay, go for it. Just uh, very briefly, in 2001, 9-11, uh, I, I worked in Florida in Fort Myers, Florida. I would go on Sunday nights, come back on Thursday nights. This particular day on Tuesday, uh, the night before, God had said something to me. He showed me a scripture in Matthew 24 and 35, and then all of a sudden the next morning, the buildings fell down. I uh, called my wife, and that of it was, I was like Rambo. I knew that somebody was at war with our country. Uh, I flew down. I rented a car typically every week. I, I just said, I'm not telling anybody. I'm just hopping in my car, coming home. Went to Walmart, got water, non-perishable food items, a switchblade, um, uh, whatever for ready. I'm ready for whatever's got to happen. And then I start driving. It's a 24-hour drive back to Allentown, Pennsylvania, uh, to there. And God spoke to me in the car. I never had this before. He asked me three questions. He asked me once, he says, Ralph, did you graduate high school? And then he says, what about life? Are you graduating life? And I go, huh? And, and I look around. There's somebody in the car, but I hear, I hear him just as you hear me. And then he, later down the road, he asked me, he says, <coughs> once saved, always saved. And then he asked me further down the road, what are my requirements for man? You said qualifications. God does have requirements for all of us. And I didn't know the answers to those. The long and short of it was God took, uh, I, I drove as long as I could, went to sleep, I, and, and I didn't realize that, but I, Jesus took me to hell, and I saw hell. And I said, why am I here? This is hell. And the voice came back and said, because you were deceived, that's why. And I was angry. It was such an anger I'd never experienced in words. And that anger compelled me even today to be who I am today. Because I woke up and I realized that it was a dream or a vision or whatever it was. And I, I just went home and I started reading the Bible for the first time with understanding. And I was looking for the power of God. I actually, my wife and I traveled. We spent hundreds of thousands of dollars going around the country looking for the power of God. 
If I had known about the, the taberna tabernacles back then, I would have been here. I had no idea this was going on for 32 years. Uh, we met in Chalice, Idaho. I'd taken my whole family out there, and there was uh, a number of folks you may have heard of, uh, Roland Baker, David Hogan, uh, and uh, Chris uh, Valentin uh, from Cur uh, yeah, Curry Blake uh, was there, and, and many other folks. And I was there with Roland Baker, and we're in worship like we were this morning, and the power of God was so uh, major that um, I was glued to the floor. I, we all had rug time on the floor. Uh, and uh, we woke up, uh, not woke up, we kind of eventually got up from that, and there was Roland Baker here, Roy Cipher there, and, and Ralph Witcher here. And that's how we met. We we actually met <laughs> and worshiped that way. <laughs> and... Uh, but but I will tell you that uh, from that time, Roy Cipher and and uh, and I have been joined at the hip. Uh, I will describe him just like this. Uh, his name is Roy No Excuse Cipher. This man goes after God with all his heart, all his mind, all his will and body, without any excuses. I have seen him um, in season, and I've seen him out of season. In every season for the last 16 years produce fruit. So what I'm here to tell you is that it's a real privilege that before you, you're speaking and listening to a man who is connected with heaven. He, is, he and his wife are as consistent as the day is long. They are the real deal. And I love him. I praise God for him in my life and his example in my life. And I also praise God for you. I asked you to do some homework when I spoke on uh, Friday night. I'm not going to ask for hands. I'm not your teacher, okay? <laughs> but I ask you if you would study Isaiah 60, 61, 62, 64. And if you wanted to do 62 or 3 or whatever, the whole way through. I asked you the other night if you understood what the outer court, the inner court, and the most holy is. You may have come here for years. You have may have gone other places for years and not had understanding. See, you may have knowledge, but until you have understanding, what good is it? Are you hearing me, church? You must inculcate. In the Greek, the word inculcate means to push down, sound down the words of truth from here. As you renew your mind in the word of God, you must get it into your heart. It's of no value when it's here. Are you hearing me? Why do you say he wants us to renew our minds? We're renewing our mind in this word so it becomes heart. And see, if he lives in you and I, when you raise your hand and say, hi, it's me, and he comes and lives in you, then he resides and habitates, like the pastor said this morning. It's a habit in, in the worship. It's a habitation. He lives there. He tabernacles with you. You see, and that's what he wants. And and your whole waking moments from the time that you raise your hand to him until he invites you home in his timetable. He's after you to become even more like him. See, you're as much like him as you want to be. He's all there, but the point is, until you voice activate how much is there and what he is, are you hearing what I'm saying? See, many people just think they want to be mute all the time. God's not a mute God. God's a vocal God. And when he gets real quiet, I'm on the floor. Are you hearing me? Sister here was talking about the fear of God. When the fear of God comes, you're on the floor. I don't care who you are, and if you're not, you're going to have some reckoning to be doing. Now, I wondered about the glory of God for years. In 81, he took me there. I had the heavenly experience, three of them, in seven months in 1981. I learned what this was because I spent time in there. He took me there. People say, how do you know? I, didn't, I knew. When you're in front of the king face to face, you know. 
you say my knower knows, it knows 24-7. It's never not known since then. And he said, I've been after you since 1966 when you got baptized in the war. I've been after you. And they laid hands on me and said I would prophesy that I'd be a missionary. So he's after you. But until you have a heavenly encounter, it may only be works. It may be only religion. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not a walking out, Psalms 119.105. Your word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my roadways. See, that little lamp was a little tiny oil lamp, and it was very small. And if it was dark, you held it here. It took an activation of faith to take the next step and the next step because it was dark. In Christ, it is not dark. The daddy lights the whole shooting match. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, I'm a Kansas boy. Now I'm an Oklahoman boy. I want you to get so hungry to habitate there that you're so desperate you think you will absolutely die if you don't get it. That's what took me to Chalice, Idaho, and I met this rascal guy here that just, he oozes the Lord. He oozes it, the Lord. You can't be around him one second and he's not in your face about the Lord. He's asking all these questions. I'm standing there. Who in the world is this guy? He's radical. I wasn't sure I could handle him when I first met him. I brought him to some of my friends, and they says, I don't know whether we can handle your friend or not. I says, well, you could be healed of that because I think God likes him. You know what I'm saying? We have our own personalities. He was always radical. And we don't have to make excuses for what he does. When the brother was here last year, last year, and he talked about having seen heaven, I saw heaven too. And the Lord chastised me when I left here. He says, why don't you share your heavenly experience more? Are you ashamed of it? And I said, no, Daddy. I'm just tired of getting beat up by the church. I'm being honest here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm talking about the religious church. I'm not talking about the relational church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I got tossed out of churches I got said that I still had PTSD. I got said that I should be in a wacko bin taking the, what's that drug? Brozac. Oh, my. They tried to give that to me after Vietnam. You don't want that stuff. You want some of the heavenly juice from heaven. Are you hearing? The Holy Ghost has the most. The joy juice. See, I used to be called a sack sack, and now they call me Roy Joy. In Africa, they call me the laughing prophet. In Asia, they call me the love bug. In Pakistan, they call me the fire in the bush. I never gave myself any of those names. I just did what I was asked to do. So as you're making your process to the holy, he wants you right up here at the altar, right there. He wants you up there, but see... Judging from your lifestyle and where you've been and where you haven't been, you're afraid to go there. I'm serious. So you tiptoe up. You tippy-toe up because you think you might be struck dead. So you, you make your way up there. Well, God, I, I, I will go into the outer court, but I'm going in very carefully because I know who I am. Well, get rid of who you are. Become who he wants you to be, and that won't have anything to do with it again. You leave it alone. It's behind you. Heaven's front of you. So tiptoe your way up and go in there. Okay? You're into the outer court. 
Then he wants you to go further. Where's further? Okay, go into the inner court where there's the utensils are and the candlesticks and all the other stuff that's necessary that Isaiah knew. Because, see, I was going to take you to Isaiah, and she stole my scripture, so I'll just go. <laughs> see, when it's the Holy Spirit, people before you, I always steal everything you're going to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But that's good because the same Holy Ghost. See, you can't, you know, see, Isaiah, he, he, he already had ministry. Come on. Some of you already have ministry. So all of you have been asked for the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, 20. All of you. I'm saying all. Say all. Okay. And then Matthew 28, uh, uh, or 24, 14. This good news of the kingdom will be preached in all the heaven earth for a witness. Then the end will come. Are you hearing me? You have two commissions already if you've raised your hand. And then he goes on and gives you Pacific commissions. Well, Isaiah was doing his normal priestly duties, and they drew straws or where it was, and he was on the calendar, and it was his time to be in the temple. Are you hearing me? How many of you go to the temple, and sometimes you don't hear what the Spirit is saying to you? Isaiah did. Why? The fear of the Lord came on him. Are you hearing me, church? Go to Isaiah 6, verse 1. Through verse 8, and from verse 1 to verse 8, he went from an I to an M person. Give the Lord a hand. Do you know, how, do you know why and how? Because he said, as the train of the Lord filled the temple as it did here this morning, his train came in there, and that's his tangible presence. And that's what he wants you to experience. And Isaiah all of a sudden said, oh, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. And the fear of God came all over him. So the angel went over to the altar. See, he was in the inner court right here, and he was on his way up into there. He was going to go on up in there and minister, and the angel grabbed him and put the coal on his mouth, and he had some business to do with heaven first. Are you hearing me? There's times he has some business to do with you and I, and we are... Resistant. And you could go in there and be struck dead. Why do you think they tied a rope on them in the Old Testament? Everybody was scared to go there. They were just, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll stay out here and hold that rope. No, I ain't going in there. Chicken. <laughs> I hear what I'm saying. Okay, I'm just being funny. He had an appointment with heaven in his unclean lip state. He said and heard that he was a man of unclean lips and God has some business. He had some business, guys. Has he had business with you here today? Absolutely. Every last one of you, myself included. I was right over there and I felt him talking to me about things. People say, how do we get our schedules? I go in my prayer room. At home, I have a war room. It's called my man cave. And on my, right over there, it says war room. And then I have a clock up there that says time for Jesus above that. And then I have a poster. Remember the poster from World War II where Uncle Sam is standing there? And he's pointing. He says, I want you, soldier. I have that poster in my war room, and I wrote on there, I want you, Christian. And down below, I said, sign up with Jesus Christ. I have that in my war room, too. See, he wants you. And when he has business to do with you, what do you do? You do what Isaiah did, don't you? I want you to understand, church, this is serious business. Where are you at in your merge today? Where are you at in your merge today? Remember we explained merge the other night. On the way up here, we were merging lanes on the highway and almost got clipped. I says, oh, my God, we just got merged. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But where are you in your godly merge today? The Lord is merging lanes on you and I. He's merging lanes, and you're going, Lord, you're cutting me off again. Well, good. 
He says, I ain't going to hurt you either. On the freeway, we might have got hurt. But God's not going to hurt you. He's going to merge you into him. His merge with you is to get closer with him to go in from the outer to the inner to the most holy. He's merging you and I to get right in there with him. The way you were raised determines how quickly you get together with him in heaven. Raised in an abusive childhood, I was afraid of the daddy. The Holy Spirit, that was devil stuff to me, but I loved Jesus, the little cuddly shepherd thing. So it took me a while to understand that Jesus was the king, the Father was the light of heaven, and the Holy Ghost was the Holy Ghost of the most. And he had everything that there was in heaven. The first time Daddy told me to come up there, and of course I didn't see him when I was in heaven, I saw his light. It was so bright, I knew it was him. Are you hearing me? And then he asked me one day, he says, come up and sit on the couch with me. And I said, so I sat on the couch. His presence was there, the daddy. So I sat way down here. Well, well, why are you sitting there? Well, I'm not sure I can trust you. Been there, done that? I seriously wasn't. I was raised in a busy childhood. Could I trust my daddy? I didn't know. So the daddy had to learn and teach me that I could trust him. Do you trust him? How about the Holy Ghost? See, I was afraid of that. My dad was into Ouija boards and astrology, had me prayed over and, and, and all that stuff. And I got into stuff. And, and, and See, how you grow up pertains to how you treat this right here. Everything about you in the past relates to this right here. So then get healed in Jesus' name. Every area. Let him turn the time clock backwards, not to torment you, but to get rid of it, because it's a stronghold. Are you hearing me? It's a stronghold. Miss Betty, she teaches on that all the time. Get down there to her class. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I had so many strongholds, I couldn't break the feathers loose for nothing. But in the presence of the Holy Ghost, people said, how many step programs did you go to? Well, they wanted me to go to one step, two step, five steps, ten steps, hundred steps. Guess what? The Holy Ghost step did it for me. Are you hearing me? In his presence, the Holy Ghost came on me and I spoke in three tongues. My roommate heard the demons crying as they were cast out of me by the Holy Spirit. He said, brother, man, I heard them puppies crying for an hour and a half. And I wondered what those screams were. I was full of them. And you still can be if you open the door or window. Are you hearing me? External distractions and eternal chaos will keep you from hearing with clarity. Get rid of external distractions. Eternal chaos means the peace of God, John 15, comes and abides in you. If he abides in you, you become at rest with him. Give him a hand. Are you hearing? Are you learning anything? When you walk out of here today, you should be lighter. I'll be 75 real soon. Real soon. March 3rd. The Lord's asked me to go to eight more countries and plant in Africa the next two years. Did I say, Daddy, don't you understand? My earth suit is getting a little rough. It's getting a little wrinkled. I'm, you know, I'm losing a little on top. You know how I lost my hair on top, guys? Not a trick question. I was in the bathroom years ago practicing preaching, and I kept going like this doing gestures. The Lord says, why are you doing gestures? You're losing your hair. No, just kidding. Are you hearing me? Just a little funny there. See, God has a sense of humor. I'm in Africa, and when we planted our herpes there, and I had been working with them over the Internet for a year and been asked by my spiritual daddy and why we in Hawaii to go there, I had had a vision for an orphanage when I left Vietnam in 1966. We didn't get to have it until nine years ago. But anyway, I'm there, 
And we're down by the river. We have a river below our orphanage. We have 13 acres, and it's absolutely beautiful. It's a farm, and we have 30 orphans there. We just put a water well in last year, a deep one. And I was down there and laying in the grass by the waterfall. We renamed the waterfall. It's called Broderick Falls, and we call it Trinity Falls now. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> and I had a piece of uh, grass in my mouth, and Kansas boy, you know, remember the you're doing hay and stuff, and you just love to, you know, have a toothpick or a piece of grass in your mouth. And, and I started chuckling, and the, and, and the lady said, Brother Roy, why are you chuckling? I said, well, the Lord's tickling me. They go, what did you just say? I said, the Lord's tickling me. Really? Can you teach our men to laugh like you laugh? ha, <laughs> I said, no, because that's one of the gifts, of, that's one of the nine fruits of the Spirit. Spirit joy. you got to voice activate them. you got to speak them out. Start speaking them out. And then, here, I'll, I'll do another one that might fry you. <laughs> I love to do these things. We're laying there for a while, and I'm, I'm tickling and giggling again. You giggle box, you. No. But anyway... See, I used to be a sad sack. Okay. Why are you laughing now? I just saw me and Jesus playing leapfrog in that field of grass. They're going, whoo, whoo, whoo. He's really stressing me today. Do you hear what I'm saying? Get to know them like they really are. They're serious, but they can be so much fun. He's a fun guy. But when they get serious, we were at Kirkland Assembly preaching a few years ago, and the glory of God showed up. First time I've ever seen it visibly, me and my friend Bruce Allen, and, 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 and we had been teaching on it for a while. We had been seeing angels manifest and things. But I wanted to see the glory, and it was our third night. And Bruce finished 20 minutes in. I, we had been interceding in the motel all day, and I... I was in the bathroom, and people thought they were having plumbing problems. It was just me speaking in tongues over there. But anyway, they, I told them, don't bring a plumber. I just hung a do not disturb sign on the door of the bathroom. So anyway, that night, he closes his little thing. Whoop. We're done. I'm like, Bruce, what are you doing? All of a sudden, a mist came on the stage. A mist. Right up there. A mist. Bob Wallace is a pastor. He had just had a spirit encounter because he had fallen off his roof and was going to die, and the Lord healed him. He was seeking glory. And the mist, the Holy Spirit came in like a fog, a mist. You say, oh, well, Brother Roy, what do you do? I said, I don't know about you, but if the King of Glory showed up, I'm on my face. How about you? He was there. Pastor and his wife were on the set. Everybody and everybody started falling on their face. Well, how long did we stay? I don't know. The meeting was very interrupted. It could have. It was so close to being interrupted this morning. You don't have any idea how close we was. That's what I'm talking about. You don't have to do the norm. It's a new normal, and the Lord is trying to get us to understand that. Go to uh, Isaiah 60. I read this one a lot to the homeless when I do the homeless things uh, and to ones that don't understand that God works with everybody today. Say everybody. everybody. Who's everybody? everybody? Is it everybody, isn't it? So in here we're all everybody, right? We're sons and daughters. Now notice in 60 what it says. Are you ready? Is that an Amen. Okay, it says right here. It says, oh, I'm in Psalms. No wonder my Bible read different. <laughs> I kept thinking, oh, my, somebody switched my Bible. Okay, here we go. Woo-wee. I don't know whether that was a trick or what, but anyway. Maybe it was just a test. Okay, here we go. My wife had it too. 
Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon. Come on. Say your name. Roy, say your name. He's risen upon you. Say your name. He's risen upon Jeffrey. Are you hearing me? Is that a misprint? No. I was in a homeless ministry, and I said, who is you? And they're looking at me like, Pastor, you're not speaking to me, are you? And I said, yes, I am. The glory is on you. And all of a sudden, everything changed in that person. All of a sudden, they realized they were accountable to Christ, that he recognized them, that he knew them, and that he actually would work with them. They thought they were scraps. Are you hearing me? Don't ever treat anybody that way. Treat them only as the Lord would. When I go out, people say, what do you do? I said, I love people to life. They said, no, what do you do? And I said, no, after 36 years of preaching, I have learned to love people to life. Was it easy? No. There's some people that are sandpaper people. There's some people get in your face and you want to tell them to take a fine roller, a, do- a roller at a rolling donor or something like that, you know, as the old phrase goes. In other words, just... You know, get out of my face, especially on the streets. See, spirit is drawn to spirit, church. Hear me? Spirit is drawn to spirit. So anywhere you're at, it may be a demonic spirit, and you might think it's a real spirit. It's drawn to you. Why? Because you have to know what spirit is of. And all of a sudden, you'll see them stop sometimes. All of a sudden, they realize you're not of the same spirit as them. Are you hearing me? We were doing a tent ministry in Philly, and the people would not come. I did seven tents in there in the in the, in the heroin district, and the people would come 20 foot from the tent. And I says, why can't you come on in? And they says, there's a different spirit. Are you hearing me? We didn't have to teach them that. They knew. See? God just put it in man in Romans that says to not be with excuse for not knowing him. He put it in you and me. He also put it in you and me to have the spirit of the living God come and live inside you and have you to be everything that he is, just like this brother said. That's why I hang with him. You've got to hang with those that believe it. And those that don't, then teach them to pull up the snuff. But don't put them down. Are you hearing me? You got a love on there, huh? A. A. Allen, they come out. They do. And see, A. A. Allen was one of my men that I sought after. Of course, he is already dead, but one of my other teachers was, of course, uh, Leonard Ravenhill. Are you hearing me? Derek Prince was the one, the Y one, that taught me on how to get rid of the demons. Derek Prince says, out in Jesus' name. Just like that. That's all he said. So you don't have to dance and do this big and this and that and pretty soon, you know, they're going they're laughing at you. Jesus says, Come out. See, Mary and Martha come running up to Jesus and they said, Well why your friend Lazarus, he's dying. Well see, Jesus already knew. But he was trying to be nice to them. They hadn't quite grown up that in that area yet. And he went to the daddy, and I think it's in Luke 11, I think it is. And it says he wept. Now, what did it do when he wept? It touched the father's heart. Are you hearing me? So later, he goes up to the tomb. Rolled the rock back. Lazarus, come forth. Shed them grave cloths. See, many of you have the Lazarus conditions in some of your people that you know. Call the Lazarus condition out of people's lives. That's the sickest conditions. That's the dead conditions. Are you hearing me? You have the authority to raise the Lazaruses. We all do. Have you done it yet? Is the question. You must raise the Lazarus syndrome and call it out and say, Come forth in Jesus' name. Be healed. Now, see, Lazarus, the interesting thing about him, 
was he buried as an, uh, in the Egyptian way? Yeah, he was buried in the Egyptian way. Now, the Egyptians, they pickled your organs. They took the organs out of your body, and they put them in jars on the shelf. Is that, is that, was that a miraculous thing when they called him out? He come out whole. Is that right? Well, how did his organs get out of them bottles into him? Answer me that. Last year, I was asked to release the miraculous here. That led into the new norm, and that led into a merge. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You've got to understand these things. God is a miraculous God. I was in suicide, and he spoke to me and woke me up and says, I wouldn't let the devil have you again. I was 38 years old. I tried taking my life. And I had three visions in seven months. He said, the devil can't have you. And then he run the, 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 the film. He says, remember the time in college when the car fell on you? He said, you thought your brother lifted the car off you, didn't you? He said, not. It was my angels. He says, remember the time in Vietnam when the mortar hit 15 feet away from you and Barton Bean and you blew in the air? You always wondered why you didn't lose your head. I says, yes, Father, I did. My angels! How many times has he done that with you? Probably more than you can count. See, let him, let him talk to you. He's real. Let him fill in the gaps that have never been filled in. Don't let the enemy in them gaps. The enemy's just going to go, yeah, no, 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 like that. You know what I caught the guys in the rehab the other day to do? I says, tell your mind to shut up in Jesus' name. Remember? Yeah, they were asking me. They said, Pastor Roy, the, the enemy's always talking to me in my mind. I says, then say, shut up, mind, in Jesus' name. They're going, wow, did he really say that? Then I told them twice. Then I told them three times. I came back the next week, and they said, Pastor Roy, he shut up. They're like, Wow, that was a miracle. I've heard voices all this time. And now he's shut up and I can hear God. Oh, man, I'm getting excited. Oh, my. Okay. I better settle down. Okay, turn to Isaiah 61. <laughs> Remember this? This is also referred to in Luke 4. Jesus was what? Anybody? What was Jesus doing here? What was Jesus doing here? He was reading. Ralph, read what he read what he was reading. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the accept, acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Church, does he ask you and I to do any less? Come on, it's really quiet in here. Come on, cat got your tongue or what? Are you hearing me? Has he asked you to do the same? Yes or no? Oh, I thought I, I thought I heard something. <laughs> Don't speak that on me in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> okay. Sister, it's so cool you just got born again. It's so cool. Remember the first day that he touched you? You're going, oh, he really recognizes me. Isn't that cool? Oh, you're you're just like, wow, wow. You know, you you. Okay, let's go to Isaiah 62. It says this. For Zion's sake, see, he's going to give you a new name. Put your hands up. Say, Lord, you say in Isaiah 62 you're going to give me a new name. And as I get there, that name is Hespah. Are you hearing me? I don't pronounce it right, but that's all right. Okay, let's see what it says. 
I have my other Bible here. My other one's out there. My 40-pounder's out there on the table. So in my uh, New American, it doesn't say Hesba. Who's got the King James? Want to read it? Okay, read the King James. Hold on. Here, let me show you which ones to read. Let's see. Uh, start with verse uh, 1. That's in, uh, yeah. And read down to, uh, 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 let's see, verse 4, Susie. Okay, down down through, uh, yeah, down through, uh, well, yeah, down through verse 4. Uh, through verse 6. Okay, we're going to go, are you, are you ready, church? Who's not ready? You got you guys are really good students. My goodness. I'm gonna give you an A plus. Woohoo. Okay, go for it. For Zion's sake I will not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness, and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness, and all kings thy glory. And thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. And thou shalt no more be termed forsaken, neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate. But thou shalt be called Hesbaba. I'm not saying it right. <laughs> and thy name Beulah. For the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. says in Isaiah 55, all the women in the Bush churches in, in Hawaii or in uh, Africa do this now, and it's so cool to hear them because they really got it. See, once you get it, you're going to shout it. Are you hearing me? So I've been teaching them for nine years over there. In Isaiah 55, it says, Ho, everyone who thirsts comes to the waters, and you who have no money can buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, and without cost. And see, the word is ho. See, ho in the original language means get into the flow. Get into the waters. See? And so I go into the villages in the bush, and you'll see about 15 or 20 of the ladies going, ho, pastor. That means they got it. I mean, can you imagine how that feels to a pastor that's been pouring their lives out? For so long, for someone to say, oh, pastor, it means they got into the flow, see? Too many in the church today are drinking Slurpees, and you're malnourished. Then you graduate to big gobs, and you're still malnourished. Then you go to Buckus, and you're still malnourished. Get into the river. Get into the river. I don't care if you bog paddle, backstroke, float. Whatever you do, but get into the river and start flowing with the flow. See, what I didn't say to you is out of this place right here, out of this place flows living waters that flows down the broad and spacious waterways of new heavenly Jerusalem, watering the trees of righteousness on both sides as it comes down here. Now raise your hands up. Lord, Heavenly New Jerusalem flow is flowing from the altar today, and it's flowing through us. Woo! My goodness gracious! Oh, wow! I'm not being a rowdy crowd like I used to be a while. Your church last weekend. Okay. Woo! Okay, turn turn over to Isaiah 63. Oh, my. 
Well, actually, I don't want to go there. Remember, I was going to skip that. I want to go to 64. Now, 64 is going to spin your top. Are you hearing me? Scott ever spun your top? He does it on me all the time. All of a sudden, I'll be there, and all of a sudden, I go, whoa. You lift your leg, oh. You know what I'm saying? When God puts a little nugget inside of you, he downloads, and he goes, zip. You're going, whoa. Have you done that? Maybe that's just me. Whoa, no. <laughs> See, that's pretty cool. Okay, now notice here, Isaiah 64. See, this is prayer for mercy and help. How many need mercy and help? Oh, my. Oh, my. Yes, we do. We certainly do. See, God is talking about something in the heavenly realm here. God is trying to do an atmosphere change. You know, are you hearing me? I've got to take this jacket off. Is that all right? He's trying to do an atmospheric change. He's trying to do a metamorphosis. He's trying to do an osmosis. You know what osmosis is? You were probably in school. You learned about that. Okay. It's a change. Butterflies metamorph from a worm to, to, to a beautiful butterfly. We had some in the back of our house recently, and Sue kept scooting them out the door, and I said, Duncan, you're scooting out a future butterfly. She says, well, I don't want to fly into my house. <laughs> so I was laughing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So God is trying to change the atmosphere. Well, he's not trying to change it. He already has. He's trying to get us down here to have an understanding, see, and then an application, see. He, his intent, say, God's intent is to bring his presence down here tangibly wherever we are. Where two or more are gathered, is his presence there? Ralph and I am laying on a floor in Chalice, Idaho, and we went there because we were hungry. What will you do when you're hungry? See, this is all about the hunger from heaven. God has put it in you and I to be hungry. How hungry are you? Are you hungry enough to be weird for him? Sometimes they call me the... What do they call me? Sometimes... Okay, Good. I don't want you to hear my secrets. Okay. The other day they called me a spiritual vagabond, remember? I won't go there either. Okay, are you ready? Oh, that you would... That's verse 1 now. Oh, that you would rend the heavens. Who is that rending the heavens? Come on. Shout it out. Jesus! Okay. Oh, that you would rend the heavens into Daddy too. That the mountains might quake at your presence. What does the word in the original Greek mean to rend? Come on, anyone. Hey, you, you tell us. To rip, to tear, to bring down. Rip and tear. Bring down, open up. So when we're calling, saying here to do a merge, is merge a blend? Merge is also a blend. Look it up. It's also a blend. It means a bringing together up. Are you hearing me? So when God is ripping, as it says, and tearing, he's putting a demand on heaven, and he's ripping the atmosphere of heaven, and he's ripping it down here. But he's ripping it to come in you and me. Are you hearing me, church? He wants you to be carriers of this. This is one of the secrets of the kingdom, Scott. There's many that will play out on you. They don't want to go that far. Why? Because it costs them too much. Are, are you hearing me, church? This is a true statement. It costs too much. See, it may cost you a little. It may cost you a lot. But anyway you go, it's going to cost you, church. That's just the way it is. And so as you rend the heavens, he rips, he tears, he pulls down, he puts a demand on heaven, and he brings it down into Sean! 
Are you here? Well, what do you do with it? Uh, 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 I don't know how to handle it. This is too much, God. No, you carry it. Because you prepare yourself in your prayer closet, in your intercession closet. Jesus, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Then he went out. And as you're out, boom, you have spontaneous combustion. I went to college in agriculture and forestry. We learned about firefighting and all that stuff. And one of the hottest fires is spontaneous combustion. It's an explosion. What is the fire of God? Dynamo, the explosion. See, he's coming down on you to have spontaneous combustion. That's why they call me the fire in the bush. In Pakistan, I'm in front of 8,000 people and two AK-47s on either side, and I could have died at any moment, and I was going to preach my guts out. God, I'm either coming to heaven or they're going to hear about you. And my friend says, be careful, they might cut our heads off. I said, well, I don't really want to be a dead stupid person, so I'm going to try to listen to the Holy Spirit. And I did, and 1,200 gave their hearts to Christ. And a 60-year-old lady was instantaneously healed as I preached the word. She was a deaf mute. Are you hearing me? It's real stuff. Do it. But only as he tells you. He tells you don't go and it's time to train more than do it. But when he releases you, I tell you, I'd be, I'm always waiting at the airport even if I don't have a ticket. You ask my wife. You ask anybody that knows me. Ralph, have I ever asked, been asked to go somewhere and I had no way to get there? Yes, no excuses. No excuses. We have taken off many a time with, oh, maybe $20 in our pocket, knowing that God told us to go someplace. And we'll be on the road and somebody will call us up and say, hey, I just put this money in your account, or we'll stop at the first place. And somebody will say, well, here, I, I don't know if you need this or not, but, you know, the Lord told me to give this to you. And we're just like going, yes, God God did tell you to give that to us. <laughs> Guess what happened before we came here? Our realtor called us that we had bought the house from six months ago. And she says, are you setting down? I said, well, okay, if you ask. And I did. She says, I'm sending you a $500 check. Oh, really? Because, you know, we were a little short on money on this trip. And we always pray everything in. And uh, she says, yeah, uh, the money that we put in your account for uh, earnest money, well, I, I thought you spent it on our loan and everything. No, no. It's been our account. Now we're sending it back to you. So before we left the king, <laughs> give the Lord a hand. Are you hearing me? Checks in the mail. Did God say? Yes. We were on our way to Oklahoma to buy a house, and everybody that knew us knew we couldn't buy no house. In fact, they were like Job's friends. <laughs> you know? Don't let them get to you. Dream poppers, Job's friends. I really don't like them, but I have to love them and put up with them because God said so. But the point is, so we, we we headed for Oklahoma for three weeks to look for a house. We only told our intercessors because we didn't want the others laughing, you know. We didn't want to create something, you know. We got into Arizona, and we only had enough money to go for about a week, and we were going to be out three weeks. One of our uh, intercessors... He's a businessman in Escondido, California. He calls me. He says, Roy, where are you at? And I said, oh, we're in Arizona. He says, really? My wife and I are praying this morning. We're, what's your bank account number? We're putting $900 in your bank this morning. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All we do is pray and tell some of our intercessors. That's it. I don't care how you've been asked to do it. That's between you and him. When I went through missionary school, he gave me the way he wanted me to operate. Do it like he says. Do it his way. I'm going to bring this to a close here real soon. Okay. Are you getting excited? Are you expecting checks in the bank? Woo-wee. I want to go on this trip. Lord, it's me. I've been one. We have missionary. We have a missionary house, and we have five living there just before we come here. Now, there was three stayed. And, but the other two of them are heading to Israel on Wednesday. Somebody bought him a whole trip to Israel for a month. 
And, and we give them a bedroom in our house because they're missionaries, and they, they, they partner with us when they're there, but they're out a lot too. But anyway, are you hearing what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm going to start bringing this to a, to a place because I want to bring it to a place where I told you the other night you want to hit a grand slam. You've got to hit a grand slam for Jesus. No singles, doubles, triples allowed. Grand slams for the master. And I missed, uh, I missed one place that I really wanted to read. Let's see. Oh, oh, no, I didn't either. Are you ready for verse 2 in Isaiah 64? As fire kindles the brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. How many want your enemies to tremble at the presence of God that you carry? Are you hearing me? When you come around them, all of a sudden they know there's an atmosphere change. They may not know why, but they might tremble. Why? Because it's the living God in you. You see why? How do you think the, the radical bunch in the book of Acts were walking in the marketplace and their shadow would touch somebody and they'd be healed? They were walking this. Are you hearing me? They were walking in atmospheric change. He desires that in all of us now. See, it's an abundant life now. See, so many people are, I'm just hanging on. No, don't hang on. Be victorious. Joshua and Caleb said, be strong, be bold, be courageous. Are you hearing me? They were warriors. See, the wilderness is the training ground for the bride. The wildernesses of life we try to go around. Go through them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they saw the fourth man in there, and he was holding their hand. Are you hearing me? Now I'm a couple more verses. See, when fire kindles brushwood, it's it's causing a change. I told you the other night, it's steam. You're carrying steam. Are you hearing me? You've had a change, so you're carrying more of heaven. Notice what it does. The next verse tells what it does. Ooh, I love this. When you did awesome things which we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. Okay, I want you to repeat that with me. Are you ready? When you did awesome things which we did not expect, you came down... The mountains quaked at your presence. How many want to see mountains of circumstances quaking at your presence? I'm talking about circumstances. See, too many Christians are totally motivated by circumstances. God is not. God is not moved by circumstance. He is not. You've got to understand that unbelief and doubt will kill everything. Don't want to go there. It just puts a cushion, Bob, on everything. Are you hearing me? Okay. Holy Spirit, how do I finish here? I'm not real sure. I had a little ditty I wanted to read you. I think I will. Ralph, do you think it's uh, okay for me to read the little ditty about uh, the poem that I got on my way out of Pakistan? I think that would be beneficial. I have the pen of a righty writer. I did not know that until a few years ago. I, I flunked English. I went to college and I had to take bonehead English. Are you hearing me? Bonehead math and bonehead English. That's when you take the class, you get no credit for it because you've got to pass it in order to get in the regular class. That was me. And one day the Lord told me, he says, you have the pen of a righty writer. Now, I didn't laugh because I knew better. But he told me, and I started writing. Now we've written four books, and I have a new one. I was in uh, a Denver airport the other day flying somewhere, and the Lord says, I'm going to start your new book. He gave me the title, and I started writing. It's right here in my journal. You hear me? Take notes. Write them down. Yeah. If somebody gives you a prophetic word, get it down here, because you might forget it. We were at 
Ralph's doing a meeting the other night. Remember that brother came out and gave me a little card and it had a prophetic note on it. Now, when somebody gives you a prophetic note at church, test it. Don't just accept it. Test it. Second Thessalonians 5.21 says, Make sure of all things, hold fast to what is fine or good. Are you hearing me? Peter says that we must put up a defense for the hope that lies within us. It's your responsibility, not these two. Are you hearing me? So uh, I'm in Pakistan. That was a couple trips ago. And he gave me a poem. I was shocked. I never wrote no poem. I've written things down, but I never wrote a poem before. I'm not poetic, really, to be honest about it. Ask my wife. But he gave me this poem. He says, this poem was about you. Oh, good. I'd love to have a poem. Then he told me to put it in this book. And I says, everybody will just scoff and laugh at me. Well, the other day they called me to California, and they're doing a film on Pakistan. And I, they filmed me for two and a half hours. And the Lord says, read the poem to him. I says, this is going on the air. This is going to, they're making a film, and it's going to be done in Urdu, and it has English captions. He says, read the poem. So I read them the poem, and they enjoyed it. Weekend, I read the poem at your church, and I believe it was well-received. I want you to understand is that this is each one of us. This just isn't me. He asked me to do something for him. Now I am. When you ask my wife or Ralph, we're no-nonsense people. We sure do have fun. I do a date day with my wife, and we just have a ball. Are you hearing me? Take your wives on dates. They need it. You need it. Are you hearing me? Okay, here we go. I'm going to pray. What's this all about? Poem by Roy Cipher. Oh, my, that's me. What's this all about? This traveling? Long lines, trains, buses, cars, and vans, walking and waiting. Preaching, teaching, and reaching, agonizing, travailing, birthing, and wondering. Many faces and new places, what does it all mean? Camels, tractors, water buffaloes, donkeys, horses, and carts. Sickalos, funny-looking buses and taxis, strange sounds, sights, and smells. With such wonderment and amazement do I move. Prayers over loudspeakers at 6 a.m. five times a day. Funny-looking hats, scarves, long dresses, and veils. Curious looks and blank stares and concerned eyes. Even looks that make me all shook. What does it all mean? Lands far away and near, many to pray, interpret, and many to hear. Where from here does it all go? Far or near? Thank you, Father, no matter where you are, you are near. Thank you, Father, no matter... Whoops, I read that. Now more planes, airports, travel ports, boats, and rushing people all about. Am I able to glean what this is all about? Give me some sense of all of this. Is this all about love? Love that sends us all away from all that we love to love another. Yes, Father, make some sense of this kind of love. Will I ever comprehend? Is this too much for me to lend? Do I have this much to give? This I do not know. Yes, I'm compelled each day to get on boats, planes, and trains, and yet go another way. How much longer do I get to love this way? I am continually amazed at love your way, Father, to know you trust me to come and go, to love another yet for the day. I remember another who was lowered over the wall yet to preach another day. Could this be my destiny, to show your love this way? I pray so, because so great a love do I want to display. Paul, A.D., to Roy Cipher present. Isn't that wild? God will give you a name. I told you the other day to ask for a name, remember? He wants you to have a personable name. He calls me L.O.J. I'm the lion of the tribe of Judah. Daddy said so. Ask him for a name. 
In here today, we talked about us being his Hespa. That's a corporate name, but yet ask him for a private name. If he wants to give you one, he will. I'm not going to override what daddy's doing. But what I want you to understand is whatever he has you doing, get into the most holy place. Don't just stand out here and stare and tippy-toe in. Paul said it very well in Romans 7. The things I do, I don't want to. The things I don't, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin? But then Paul grew up and went into Romans 8. He said, now I'm more than a conqueror in all things. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's time to grow up. Even Paul did. Even Isaiah did. Roy, are you hearing me? Each one of you today, I challenge you. I am putting forth a challenge today as the spirit of the living God is in this place. I'm challenging you all today to grow up. Grow up. Grow up his way. The way he has custom made for you. But you can grow up in his presence. I got delivered of the demons in his presence. I didn't have to go to 100-step programs. I'm not saying they're not good. They, they have some value. But I went on fast track. I prefer fast track. The time is short. The king is coming. He promised me I could preach every day. He knew it got so close with God, he walked into heaven. I asked God if I could do that. And he says, well, we'll see. I did ask him if I could be preaching when I go. I want to be preaching when he takes me. He even told me I might be martyred, and I says, that's fine too. Not premature. So ask him what he wants you to do. Trust him. And get to a place like this. Get the people you can trust. Young lady, can I prophesy over you? It's not over till it's over. Are you hearing me? You know what I'm talking about. You're having some challenges. It's okay. I've written four books about challenges. So what? Are you hearing me? But yeah, I had a hold of the master's hand the whole way. And there were times I was kicking and screaming. Literally. But learn to get into the center of his presence. Learn to get into the secret place of his heart. And everything will grow pale outside of that. Everything will pale in, in regards to that. Everything. External distractions, internal chaos. Just face to face. Don't seek his hand. Seek his face. As you seek his face, it will ruin you for the ordinary. Is that all right? And know he knows every fiber of you. He knows the beginning from the end. And right now, I prophesy that he'll see you through this and you'll be victorious. He has your destiny in the palm of his hand. And the enemy can't have it. Is that a Yahoo? <laughs> Give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah.